Hey, Heather here. If you are loving what you hear on this podcast, but feel like you could use just a little bit more help in getting free from body image and comparison issues, I have an idea for you. Let's work together. There are several different ways you can do this. You can join our Refocus online group. It's happening on my website a few times a year. Or you can sign up for group or individual coaching. I love helping women find freedom. Our time together won't be about your food or your exercise habits necessarily. Instead, we'll dig into what's really going on in your heart. Almost all the issues we struggle with in life have a spiritual root. And that's what I want to help you uncover. Go to comparedtowho.me and look for the coaching tab to find out more. We have like 60,000 thoughts a day, except that over 90% of those are recycled from yesterday and they're negative. So if you have body image issues, like I've had my whole life myself, it's, I can't eat that I'm fat. It will make me fat. See, if you can stop in that moment and replace that with a truth of God's word changes everything. Yeah. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared To Podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore. I am so excited for my guest because she talks about a topic that I know you're gonna be able to relate to. So today's guest is Sarah Geringer. She's a speaker, a podcaster, an artist, and the author of a book that we're gonna talk about today called Transforming Your Thought Life, Christian Meditation in Focus. And she's also the author of three other self-published books. She hosts her own podcast called Heart in a Drawer, and it's to minister to adult children of divorce. She's currently working on a teen girl version of Transforming Your Thought Life, and that's set to come out in fall of 2021. She's on the devotional writing teams for Proverbs 31 Ministries, A Wife Like Me, Devotable, Hopeful Living, Kingdom Edge Magazine, and Woman to Woman Ministries. When she's not reading over a hundred books per year, Sarah, how do you do that? <laughs> Sarah enjoys painting, baking, gardening, and playing the flute. Her daily must-haves are hot tea, Dark chocolate, oh, me too, right there, and fresh flowers. She lives in Southeast Missouri with her husband and her three children. And Sarah, thank you so much for being on the Compared to You podcast today. Thank you, Heather. That was an awesome intro. I'm just so glad to be here. It's fun. Well, it's good to get to know you a little bit better. We share a publisher. And so I received this. Our publisher is very sweet, and they send us a Christmas present every year with a couple books in it. I got your book uh -huh. and what was so funny was uh, my my virtual assistant was helping me reach out to different people who had podcast shows and we reached out to you and you and I started talking and I was like, oh, 
wait a second here and looked at my nightstand and your book was literally on my nightstand. Mm -hmm. So I am just excited to have a conversation today about our thought lives because this is something that kind of ends up filtering its way through most of the conversations we have on the show, right? Because it's what you think determines a lot about your life. But I'm excited to talk to you about this. But before we dig in, why this topic? What do we need to know about Sarah and your background that kind of led you down this path of talking to people about their thought lives? I grew up Christian. I don't have a memory of not believing in God. I went to a private Christian school. I went to a Christian college. But where'd you go to college? I went to college at Covenant College. Oh, yeah. That's where I got my English degree. Uh, It's it's outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And then uh, I also got my art degree here at home in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So I was a double major. But uh, I had this like secret source of shame, I guess, for all the education that I had, a Christian education, all the faithful weeks of going to church, years of going to church. And I had never read through the whole Bible. Like it was just this personal challenge that I wanted to take on. And uh, I went to the Christian bookstore here and I asked the salesperson, you know, this is my goal. Can you suggest a Bible that would be good for this? And she said, have you ever heard of the one-year Bible format? No, I haven't. She she showed me. And it's just uh, the Bible divided up into a reading of Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs every single day. So I got that. This was like 2003. And uh, this was before I had any children, but I had been married since 2000. And so I was working outside the home. So every day I would start and just sit there and read. It took 10 minutes maybe. And the editors of that version, there's many different kinds of one-year Bibles, but that particular version I was reading, they just put a single verse in bold just to kind of stick with the reader throughout the day. And I just took that as kind of my cue from God that this is what he wanted me to think about. And so uh, sometimes I'd write it out so that I could take it with me to work, look at it again at lunch, you know. And within a few weeks, this this transformation process started. And remember, I grew up like a faithful, committed Christian. I knew the Bible stories. I knew, you know, the teachings. I had heard everything. But making it personal, just a one-on-one experience with me and the triune God, especially the Holy Spirit using his word to work in me, it's changed everything. It changed how I saw myself because it was very clear that God loves me. Like that was the number one takeaway I had every single day. God really loves me, you know? And then also the lies I had been believing about myself. And I know you write a lot about that, Heather. Just like, well, if this is true, if what God is saying is true here, then that thing that I keep telling myself in my mind over and over again every day can't be true, you know? And so he started using his word to expose those lies I had been believing my whole life, really. And then also to overturn the lies that other people had told me about who I am. I've grown up with emotional abuse. So I had been, you know, exposed to a lot of damaging statements from other people that I had to overcome. And when you've 
been held down for years and years and years. It's just kind of part of your thinking. You don't question it necessarily, but the Lord was using his word as a tool to kind of probe into me and get all that junk out so that his truth and his light could come into my heart and then start in my thoughts and then flow out from there. And then that started changing everything. It changed my outlook. It changed my relationships. It changed my level of confidence. It changed my ability to set boundaries with people because I was seeing for the first time I was seeing Jesus set boundaries with people. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I was like, he is the son of God. So if he's doing this and he's not beating himself up and questioning himself and overanalyzing every detail like I do, then it must be okay to say no sometimes, you know? So it was really, really powerful. Um, And I can't leave out that I think God uses multiple tools. He, of course, he can use just his word and prayer to transform us, but God delights in using all kinds of people and experiences to bring us to a place of healing. And so, like I said, that was 2003 when I started going through the Bible every year, and I've done it every year since. And I think one of the most amazing things is now that I've read it, you know, this is the 18th year, still new things are jumping out from the text because the, you know, the Bible is alive. That's what it tells us. It's a, it's a living document. And so I'm a different person now in 2021 than I was 2003 when I read that passage in Genesis, you know, so I'm going to look for something different in it than I was then some other things God used to help me heal, because I know you're, you're passionate about helping women get to a place of healed thinking and just a journey of life, you know, of abundant life. So uh, in 2004, I became a mother and I joined the mommy group at my church. Okay. So that small group started doing wonderful things for me. And I'm a a big proponent of small group ministry and just the accountability of those women and following them in their examples of faith that they were showing and just fellowshipping and enjoying their company was just so gratifying to me personally. And then in 2007, I read the book Boundaries for the first time. You've read it. Uh Yep. (laughs) Several of the different shoot Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have a miniature library of Loudon Townsend writings Mm -hmm. and that uh, like, you know, the intro said, I read a hundred books a year and other than the Bible, no other book has changed me more. I, I drank it in like water. I read it straight through And it really empowered me because it showed me again, like this is, these are godly principles. That's what I love about that book. It unlocked the truths of the Bible for me. And then about two years after that, I also went and saw a Christian counselor for twice a month for five years. Mm -hmm. So God used all those things, all those parts and pieces to teach me new ways of thinking, teach me new ways of relating to him as my God and also to people and kind of gave me, I guess, agency maybe to make those changes in my life that were so necessary in terms of for my own mental, spiritual, emotional health. And, you know, one of those dreams, honestly, that I had put on the back burner 
uh, was writing, you know, um, and I don't think, even though I started blogging in 2010, I didn't get serious until about 2015. And that's after all these things that I just described to you were over because I think I had to get to a healed place to be able to minister to other people through my writing. And so God was using that timeline to keep shaping me and refining me so that I would be in a better place to serve to serve people in my ministry. So I love that. Boy, Sarah, there's so much there. So, so I, I mean, my story is so similar because I also went to Christian school starting in seventh grade. I went to a Christian college. I went to Messiah College. Well, that's Messiah University, which just sounds weird to me. But, um, and, you know, Christian college consortium school. And I had never read the Bible cover to cover either until, for me, it was probably it was a couple years after I got married, probably 2007 or 2008. And I've tried to do it every year since. And I mean, to what you're saying, absolutely new things. I'm like, did I read this passage last year? Like, right. I, I, don't, I haven't seen this chapter before, or I've never mm-hmm. seen this verse before in my life. I've done the different translations. Like last year, I tried to read it in the Amplified version, um, which was kind of interesting because there's a lot more words there. Um, and I'd have to go back and be like, what is this verse <laughs> in a regular translation? So a similar story. But then this whole boundaries thing, girl, like I could probably spend the next hour talking to you about boundaries. When I do coaching, I coach women on, on body image issues and comparison issues. And boundaries is something that always has to come up. Like there's so many of these issues are so closely related to, you know, boundary issues, that boundaries that were never set with, with, you know, in their family of origin, parents that never set, knew what boundaries were <laughs> or set boundaries. And so absolutely, those are all like huge things connected to this. But today I want to talk about our thought lives. So let's, let's turn to that because I think there's so much there too. And you already mentioned, you know, the concept of renewing our minds right? Like that's, that's really what this journey you were on. Mm-hmm. A big part of it was just renewing the way you see the world. I think so many people think the world around them has to change, but we could be waiting our whole entire lives and never see that happen. You have to just renew the way you think about things. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. So why are our thought lives so important? You know, Jesus said that out of the overflow of your heart, he was using the negative here comes all these problems. Like the problems aren't necessarily your actions. Your actions are the end process of what's inside of you. Right. And so your thoughts and feelings are 
very connected. And so if you can stop that train, I know that's just how I see it. It's like, if I have a a bad thought, it turns into a feeling and then it turns into an action, right? That's how it works for me. And I'm sure most of us perceive it to be that way too. So I have learned if I can capture those thoughts and be aware of them, which is hard because we have like 60,000 thoughts a day, except that I say this in the book, over 90% of those are recycled from yesterday and they're negative. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have body image issues, like I've had my whole life myself, it's, I can't eat that I'm fat. Mm -hmm. It will make me fat. Mm -hmm. See, if you can stop in that moment, and replace that with a truth of God's word, which is, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. Changes everything. Yeah. Because you're not moving from a negative anymore. Like, I can't eat that because I'm fat. Yeah. You're saying, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So I want to put into my body the best kind of things to honor God yeah. and to honor myself. Yeah. Because I am worth something. I'm not a throwaway, mm-hmm. you know, I'm worth something. I'm yeah. worth something to him. And so if I'm worth something to him, then I need to treat myself in a way that reflects that truth. Any problem you have, you can overcome that with scripture. And that's something I want to bring out that a lot of people don't understand in the church is Christian meditation is one of the most practical, basic things you can do to strengthen your faith. It is not new agey. Mm -hmm. It's not weird and out there. It is mentioned more than 20 times in the Bible itself. A lot over half of that is in the book of Psalms, but David's talking about, I meditate on your word day and night. And so all that, all meditation really is, is doing what I just described to you. It's making us one verse of scripture thinking about it carefully. What does that mean? What does it mean to my relationship with God that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made? Mm -hmm. What does it mean about myself? Mm -hmm. What does it mean about how I'm supposed to interact with the world? What, what does it mean now that I'm a mom of a daughter, what am I supposed to teach her Mm -hmm. about being fearfully and wonderfully made? You know, so it can go in so many different directions, but I look at that as a very logistical, pretty you know, a pragmatic kind of uh, basis. It's not ooey gooey out there. It's uh, it's not empty in your mind to get in touch with yourself. It is replacing the lies in your mind with the truth of God's word and then operating out of that truth. That's what Christian meditation is. Yeah. Well, and I just, I think about the reality is, and I, I made a meme on this one time, you don't have to believe everything you think. Like not everything you think is true. In fact, most of what we think, to, to your point, is is not true, right? Like even with the food example, food is not good or bad necessarily. There are some foods that are more nourishing than others. God's word doesn't tell us that brownies are bad and right. should be avoided, right? So right. it's like, but but diet culture does, 
right? And so there's all this extra that we've picked up here and there, and we've kind of added to the truth, as the Bible tells us not to do, right? And made all these other truths that are true for us, and we have those thoughts come in, and, you know, and it's hard to be selective about, like, oh, is this true? Is this not true? But I think this is what you just said. The first step is just being mindful. What am I thinking about? Like, Mm -hmm. what thoughts are there? Because I think so often we just, we're so, some of these thoughts have been with us since we were kids, right? So just like old friends, right? Like, oh, here you are. We're all here cozy, just like old times every day. You're here with me. And it's like, just because they've been your friend for a long time doesn't mean they're serving you well. It might be time to to see them, call them out and say, adios, amigos, right? So I love that. And I love how you started to tell us a little bit about Christian meditation, because I think that there is a lot of misunderstanding. People hear that word meditation and they're like, that's too woo-woo. But I mean, that's right on. So how do you start if this whole concept of meditation is is new to you? Like, what's the simplest way to start? Just the verse of the day or where where do you start with that practice? Well, I think I I love using BibleGateway.com. I use that almost every single day. You could type in the issue that you're dealing with um, and and probably find a verse. You might have to toggle the translation a little bit. Yeah. But like if you want greater peace, for example, you know, if you want better self-control, it's gonna pull up verses for you in those areas. But um I've gathered those in my book too. That's, that's the way that I structured my book. My book has 17 different uh, thought life, common problem areas. This is pulled from my tribe. You know, I asked them, what do you struggle with the most? So, you know, it's anxious thoughts, regretful thoughts, self-condemning thoughts, but then also the virtue that we can meditate on to overcome them, you know? So with angry thoughts, self-control with defeated thoughts. It's, you know, focusing on victory in Christ, you know? So I think it's helpful. It's just like when you're dieting, you know, if you're like, I'm not, not eating sweets. Like I I've done a couple sugar fasts, you know, well then typically what your mind does is it goes to every sugar thing. Uh Just know you can't have it. But if you're like, I get to eat berries, I can eat as many berries as I want, you know? So you're, it's kind of like you can do both, you know, like I can't have this, but I can do this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a healthy balance Mm -hmm. in our thought lives. Um, because we, because God's word is not just to make us feel good and all, you know, comfort, like a snuggie blanket, (laughs) you know, it is a guide. It's like a guide, you know, when you're driving on the interstate and they have those rails in the median, it's to prevent you from harming yourself and other people. That's exactly what his word is. And I, so I think that when we look up the verses that say, get rid of all rage and malice and bitterness, you know, that's a guide. And then to say, you know, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. That's like the comfort side of it. Like that's what I want to pursue, you know, but both of those in tandem can really help us get on the right track when we're really stuck in a certain area of temptation. I love that. I love that. And I did, I thought your book was awesome, you know, and just very, very practical. You're very authentic. And I know my listeners love that. I've read books where people are like, I'm so authentic. And I've been like, Mm, no, 
I think you go so, a little deeper there. <laughs> so I, at, I know that from your book too. Like <laughs> that's that's one of your that's one of your strengths. So oh, thanks. Yeah, but no, I really I it's very relatable and and just very easy to use as as a guide like that. So um, I hope everyone will check that out. Okay, so let's talk about your thought life in relation to comparison because that's you know the number one topic we talk about on this show. Right. So what have you learned about the way our thoughts work in this whole quandary, if you will, <laughs> of, of comparison that we often find ourselves in? What, what have you learned? What have you experienced there? What, what can you share with us on that topic? Tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compareedtohu.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. I'm a fifth generation resident of Southeast Missouri. So I have really deep roots here and I'm very proud of that, but that comes with its own set of issues, right? So there's a lot of people. I love the people who live here, but there's a lot of people who have the big fish in a small pond mentality, you know? And so my daughter is, she's in seventh grade. So middle school, which is when a lot of this stuff starts in our thought. That's when it started in mine, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. So she's been complaining. I mean, I get it because when you live in a small town, I think it's almost easier to compare yourself with the haves and have nots and get yourself pegged of where you feel comfortable. And so we've been having a lot of discussions about that. And she came with up with this system. This is just her idea, but I think it's pretty spot on. She's uh-huh. like, there's like tiers one through five in terms of the popular crowd versus unpopular at your school and what that looks like. And, you know, tier ones date tier ones. They don't date, date tier fours and all this stuff, you know, and she ran it by her older brothers who were kind of like, yeah, you know, uh-huh. boys don't enjoy thinking about stuff like that. Uh-huh. When she came up with that system, we've had a lot of discussions over that of like, you know, Lauren, my daughter, I'm like, if you feel like you're a, I don't remember which one she said she is tier three or tier four. Okay. I don't want you to make the mistake of looking at the ones in the tier ones and twos as that you're better than them because mm-hmm. you're not caught up in whether you wear all Adidas and all Nike and all that you weigh in the, you know, under 10 percentile of your BMI. You know what I mean? Real skinny girls. Don't look down on them because you're more comfortable in your own skin than they are. Cause she is um, because I told her, I said, those people that are in that tier, I said, They've got a ton of pressure on them. They've got a ton of pressure to keep up with each other. And I know I'm talking about this in junior high terms, 
but I know every woman listening right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I've told her, I'm like, unfortunately, this does not change when you get out of high school. I so wish that it did, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't. And so you need to become secure in who you are and who God made you to be in, in the kind of identity that you have in Christ Mm -hmm. so that you don't look down on anybody who has more than you and certainly not down on anybody who has less than you either. Like just accept who you are, where you are, because that's where God has you and he can use you wherever you go. Now I know Again, I know some people listening would consider themselves tier one and tier two people, or maybe tier five. I know that our Lord loves all of us, no matter what social status we put ourselves in. And I think after the events of 2020, we need to be pursuing unity in the church with a capital C, okay? First, before we can extend it to the larger culture. So in the New Testament, over and over and over again, when Paul is saying things like be kind and compassionate to one another, he's using the terms that mean within the church, like your brothers and sisters within the church. He doesn't mean, Paul does not mean don't do that to everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. What he's saying is, as I understand it, is if we can't get this right within the church, we are not going to get this right outside of the culture. There's no way. And think about the culture that they had back then. He's under leadership that persecuted Christians for sport, Mm -hmm. you know, and talk about a huge gap between the highs and lows. There were hardly any middle class. So Paul is saying, listen, if we can get this right, if we can do the Acts 4 and 5 model of the church giving to each other, um, supporting each other, encouraging each other, uh, sharing their stuff with each other. If we can get that right, we will be the light that shines onto the whole world and everybody's going to want a piece of that. So I think that is maybe the thing underneath the comparison. This is the lie that Satan tells us to keep us from being unified and working in harmony with our brothers and sisters, no matter what social status they are, no matter how skinny or overweight they are, Mm -hmm. whatever income category they fall in, you know, I'm not happy with the the discussions that have been going on since the summer of 2020 onward. That's pitting uh, whites against blacks. That's pitting certain denominations against other denominations. This is all Satan's work to divide us and weaken us. But if we can start not comparing ourselves, but just saying, I appreciate this person for being different. And I want to study that because I'm curious and I know there's something good in that, that I can gain for myself. Then we can get past that and get to a better and healthier place for everybody and start teaching our kids the right things too. Right. Well, I just, I think to what you just said, I mean, I think about, I think it's in James, how like the promise, if you will, not that it's a Bible promise, but what God says will come from, from envy, from jealousy, from covetousness, from pride 
is division, is enmity, right? And and he puts all of those sins, which are really the roots of comparison, he puts all those in the same box as sexual orgies. Yeah. <laughs> and all this other stuff that is sorcery, that would be like, oh, that's really bad stuff. Like my comparison issue is not as bad as that. But it's like, oh, I don't know, though. The Bible kind of says something different. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's serious stuff. But then to, to thinking about like, what you do with with the verses to meditate on when this is a problem and then tying this back to what we talked about with finding new things in the bible every year i want to share colossians 3 12 to 14 in the message paraphrase okay so the message isn't a real translation it's a paraphrase written by eugene peterson for if you're listening i'm not being heretical here i do understand it's a paraphrase not a translation but i found just last week in there, and it's hard to tell if I think it's actually verse 13, but it's message paraphrase mm-hmm. kind of lumps it together in paragraphs. Right. It says, be content with second place. And so my new meditation has been, as soon as I see someone, I'm like, oh man, I wish I was as, be content with second place. And it takes the pressure off trying to win the contest of like, who's got the best Instagram? Who's dressed cutest at church today? Like, you know, so I don't know. I just, that just came to me as you were sharing all that. I was like, you know, that's kind of, that's the message I think of, of Jesus, right? Is to, to humble yourself. Don't think of yourself higher than others as the word instructs us. You know, self-love is not not desirable according to first timothy right? right but but be content with second place so i don't, i just felt like that i kind of tied in perfectly maybe that's the meditation if you're listening or watching today that you want to use as you battle comparison well we're kind of running low on time but I, i'd like to just go just real quickly to the topic of self-focus it's the last chapter of your book and in a lot of ways i thought it's one of the most important so maybe you're ending it on the high note. Right. Talk to me about self-focus and our thought life, because really what we think about most of the time is what? Ourselves, right? right? So talk to me about, about that whole dilemma and what, what you discovered there and, and maybe how to practice that humility and take our eyes off ourselves. You know, I've had to learn this uh, as a writer in talking and about uh, if you can't answer the question, What's in it for me? Like when someone reads your book or your blog post or your Instagram post, if it's, if it's just a look at me, look at me, you're like, wow, that's great. Or you're like, wow, that's nice for her. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that's how the comparison game starts. If all you're sharing online or in person is this, you know, I went on this vacation, we're upgrading to this vehicle. You know, you're saying these things. What's in it for the person listening? Right. You know, are you willing to be, are you willing to go against the grain of this self-worshipping culture? It's not just self-focused, it's self-worshipping. Amen. Yeah. And give something to people because they're desperate to find someone who's going to give and not take take, 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 take. That's what our culture does. So if you, before you write your Instagram post, this goes for anybody, answer the question, what is in it for the person who's going to read it? It can still be telling your story, which both you and I, Heather, incorporate a lot of personal stories into our books because 
that's how you connect with people. So I suggest being honest with the stories because in this culture that's becoming less and less biblically literate, people are going to be more willing to listen to what God has done in your life, to how God has transformed you, has changed you, then they're going to be willing to sit down and read a Bible. They might do that for a long time before they ever sit, set foot in a church or crack open an actual copy of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So if you can think about being salt and light and giving back to people, that's where the change can start. It doesn't mean that if you go to Paris that you shouldn't post pictures <laughs> of your fabulous trip because I want to see them, right? <laughs> and I'm saying if that's only what you're doing, mm -hmm. all you're doing is setting up this, this um, comparison trap for right. people to fall into. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, I love that. And I'm smiling because oh, it was probably a year ago I put this on Facebook, but something I was really wrestling with was if we're not, to, if we're to, if we're to be careful not to lead others into temptation, right? Right. Into temptation right. to sin, then what does that mean for my social media posts for people that are, struggle to sin at the sin of envy? Am I, and not that, you know, not that most of anyone's doing it intentionally. There may be a few that are, right? Like, look at me, look at me. But, but what is my responsibility now in this whole new age of, of social media, what is my responsibility to help my sister not stumble into envy in in what I post? And it's a real, like, I don't know that I've untangled it because I think it's a real big messy ball of lots of different things, you know, because you can get into the messiness of, well, she's responsible for her thoughts and she's responsible for her envy. But I don't, I don't know, but yeah, we're not supposed to cause our sister to stumble. So anyway, I don't, that's just, that's an assignment yeah. we'll talk about for the next half hour. <laughs> right. Well, and if we, if we put that through the lens of what our culture is dealing with right now, you know, people need encouragement. They're looking for hope. We have all been stuck in this pandemic for almost 12 months now. They want hope. They want encouragement. That's what you need to be leading with. Yeah. And give them something they can hang on to. Share a Bible verse. Share how a Bible verse has transformed your thinking. You know, be bold. And right. as long as we have this freedom to post that kind of stuff on Instagram or Facebook, let's use it. Yeah. If we might not have it forever. Gonna, right, <laughs> right, right. Right. Let's make the best of it. You know what I mean? And again, that's not saying, you know, if you have some fabulous something that you want to share, but make that like one out of 10 posts, right. you know, make 90 of them giving back to people. Right. I think that's going to make a big difference to people who are moving away from the church, mm -hmm. but are still interested in spiritual things. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, Sarah, tell everyone where we can find your book and you have other books too, that you've written that are self-published. Why don't you just tell me what those are real quick so we can, we can hear. Sure. I have a book on, um, Newness of life. It's on Ecclesiastes three, one through eight. There's a time for every season under heaven. Okay. I have a book on uh, the fruits of the spirit and their opposites. Okay. So those are really short Bible studies. Okay. And then I have a, a book Christmas peace for busy moms. Nice. So that's a seasonal book. And then, uh, like I said, the one coming out this fall is going to be the teen girl version, 13 to 16 years old version of the transforming your thought life one that I have available right now. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And tell us where we can connect with you. That's right. 
Uh, you can find everything about me on the front page of sarahgeringer.com. Awesome. And I will have a link to that in show notes. So no spelling required. <laughs> if you're listening today, you could just go to the show notes and find that link and connect with Sarah and grab, grab her books. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been really fun. We should do it again. Absolutely. I think we should talk about boundaries. We need to, we yeah. need to get that scheduled. Okay. And thank you for watching today or thank you for listening today. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.